welcome to our first episode of Voices of Amnesty. We're your hosts for today's episode. Abby, Yayi, Nina, Ari, and Hafnir. Let's talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So we've all seen the recent surges of violence on the news and over social media. What do we think? Yeah, like, it's, it's not something that's, like, really new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why it makes it hard for people to understand the conflict. Yeah. Because it goes back so far. It's like really complex, but and a lot of people that like we interact with don't have much personal information or experience with the conflict. So it's quite like a daunting daunting topic, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And some some stuff online that you read about it's not like 100% correct all the time and it might contradict with like other stuff you've read. So um, a lot of people kind of not lose interest, but just give up on halfway there. Yeah. Understanding. It's always yeah. been the back mm-hmm. of our minds. It's always <clears> been the back of politics and, and international relations. Yeah. But now it's a thing again and it'll probably be a thing again in five years and in 10 years. Yeah. 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 I so, remember seeing it on Instagram and stuff. And that was, I guess, Oh, yeah. the first time I've like seen or heard about the conflict but then it made me question do we really know like do we really know what has happened that caused this conflict and um I didn't know the conflict like spanned over decades until I did that research um mm-hmm. when I looked into it um the past decades saw endless wars and uprisings sometimes there would be glimmers of hope but those peace proposals never passed through and now we're hearing about it again as it rises on news and social media but I feel like sometimes we forget about it kind of thing I think we need to really understand the depths of this issue and let people's voices be heard but let's get some specifics on the roots of the issue yeah sure so basically all this started in 1947, when the United Nations voted to split the, like, the territory which was being contested against like into three parts. And like one of these parts was for the Jews, obviously. One was for the Arabs. And the third, um, not surprisingly, was an international trusteeship regime in Jerusalem. Jeez, that's a lot of big words, but okay. Um, the Arabs did not accept the deal, unfortunately, saying to the UN that they had no right to give away their land for another thing. And with that reason, war broke out. So in modern context, the Jews would be the, um, the Israelis and the Arabs would be the Palestinians. Uh, Hasnain, do you know if the international trusteeship regime is still there? Um, not really sure, though. What I do know is that the Palestinian side of things says that Zionists, and by the way, Zionists are people who support the re-establishment of a Jewish homeland in Israel, these people began forcing people from their homes. And while the Israeli version, on the other hand, points out that like Arab leaders who encourage people to leave and some Arabs left voluntarily, meaning that like, they wanted to leave. And so, it, and basically this, this is where the US comes in, where Trump's administration decision to move the US-Israeli embassy was considered to be symbolically significant in this whole conflict, uh, this whole time. Um, what was it, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, right. Symbolic. Because what was it? Jerusalem um, 
the Palestinians some claim Jerusalem and the Israelis claim Jerusalem as well. So by moving it, it would have been, yeah, been a bit of a thing because the US has always supported Israel. Yeah, but like, you'll be surprised to know that like US has no sort of position between on these borders and these hard intentions was considered to indicate support for Israeli position on Jerusalem. But the police raid on the Holy Mosque in Israel during Ramadan 2021 was like one of the, one of the many actions in this whole conflict that led to the sudden resumption of war between Israel and Hamas, which is the militant group that rules the Gaza Strip, and the outbreak of civil unrest between Arabs and Jews across Israel. Definitely. So where's the conflict now? Well, basically, the sort of violent escalation that we all heard about and that was all over social media and the news recently started in like early May. And it all started with something that would be normally smaller, something that probably wouldn't make international news, which was the forced expulsion of some Palestinian families from like a neighborhood in East Jerusalem. So this further encouraged obviously the existing tension between the Palestinian people and the Israeli government. So we had some protests and scuffles over this. And then on the 7th of May, and this is what everyone heard about, the Israeli police fired rubber bullets and stun grenades at protesters at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And these were people who'd stayed behind after their final Friday prayers for Ramadan. And so on the following Monday, Israeli forces, like they conducted a raid on the same compound. And in this time, they injured over like 300 Palestinian civilians with a range of different horrible sounding weapons. So those were sound bombs, rubber coated bullets and tear gas. And oh yeah, like I said, this is the thing that we all heard about and that brought this conflict like sort of to the forefront. Where do you think this conflict goes from here? Would it change, would it stay the same? Look, I did quite a bit of research into this. And if you look at the political context of Israel, it's quite interesting considering that Benjamin Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, who's been there for 12 years, which is a very long time for a leader to be in power. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like in the middle of this whole conflict, he's now gone. So they've changed um, their leader to a guy called Naftali Bennett, um, who is quite similar, but he's arguably more anti-Palestine and he's, political brand is basically based on hyper-nationalism, very pro-Israel, but also very let's expand Israel, let's have a bigger Israel and let's take it, you know, let's take all the land where we can get it. So he's still um, he's still promoting the annexation of Palestinian land, which is not what the Palestinians want. This, it basically goes against their, their whole movement. Like Daftali Bennett being in power is the worst outcome for them. And he's, he's even quoted saying, um, an independent Palestinian state was not going to happen on his watch. And with the recent changes from Trump to Biden, how's that going to affect the well, situation? That is interesting because, you know, as Hassanain said, like the US doesn't take an official position on borders, but like, let's yeah. be honest, they've always but that, been. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But he's, he was a massive um, Israel supporter, whereas Biden even though he's moving foreign policy from the Middle East, he's um, definitely supported the idea of a two-state solution, which is what the Palestinian people want. So the two-state solution would basically be Palestinian people reclaiming their land, Palestine being a recognised independent country with independent rulers, 
um, um, and then being able to vote and have their own autonomy, which is separate from the kind of janky situation with Israel owning parts of land and yeah, yeah. taking. It's, it's quite janky. If you like look at a map, it's it's very strange. So he's. And do you think that's that. going to happen? And do you yeah. think that's going to happen? Look, with Bennett in power, the only glimpse of hope is Yaya, Yaya Lapid, I think his name is, who is a centrist, who supports the notion of a two-state solution. And Biden would undoubtedly support him in this. But And he's, he's likely to get into power, they think, in the next two years. That's what's predicted. But this has been labelled a farce, and it basically relies on Palestinians not claiming part of Jerusalem which they want because that's very um, historically and culturally symbolic. So honestly, from what I've researched and look, my opinion probably isn't like there's so much, it's so complex and so much depth, but probably not. And it's so sad. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Ari, did you research on the one state solution? I was just wondering, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, so the one-state solution would be the antithesis of the the two-state solution, which is Mm -hmm. basically the status quo of Israel furthering their territory into Palestinian land until it is all Israeli land. And that's being said in air quotes because there'd be a lot of um, Palestinian people still living there. Um, I suppose the um, vision for that would be Palestinian people uh, would be um, moved from their land, um, expelled from their land, to make way for the priority, uh, which would be Israeli people and Israeli developments. They would probably also suppress Palestinian voting rights and would not have places in parliament, seats in parliament. I mean, Palestine barely has like a recognised parliament in the global stage anyway, so this would be just Mm. further suppression and um, just further negatively impacting um, Palestinian politics, but let's you know, let's be honest. The one-state solution is much closer than the two-state solution at the moment, which is the unfortunate reality of the situation, and obviously the quite horrible, considering the ancestral connection of Palestinian land to Palestinians. Yeah, um, is there any way to change that? Like, would there be any way to make a two-state solution more possible? I guess. Look, I don't know what anyone else is thinking, but I don't just have much faith in Biden or the international stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be honest, they're all just going to sit back and watch, um, like, as they have done, human rights being violated. Like, that's the reality for decades and hundreds of years. Um, so, again, the two-state solution, unless there's a dramatic change of events, it's, hor- it's horrible, but probably not. But it is horrible. From our Instagram at Voices of Amnesty follower, um, we got some questions for today's episode. One of them is, is it right to call the situation a conflict? It's definitely more than just a conflict. Like many people call it a conflict, but like, but honestly, this, this conflict, so-called conflict, has had catastrophic impacts on both the Israeli, Israeli and Palestinian sides which are not sh- nothing short of impacts of war. So you could call this a war by all means, and like that wouldn't be wrong. But a conflict, I would say, is a pretty big understatement because it's a really ongoing issue and like it would be enough to be considered a war. How do you guys see this conflict ending? Not good. I just... Unless, they, unless a two-state solution happens, 
and Palestinian people won't be and probably like shouldn't be satisfied because it a lot of it is their ancestral land and a lot of them will not will keep on fighting for it so many of them see the two-state solution as the only solution um so unless that happens which again like Naftali Bennett saying probably not going to happen um you know the conflict will be lasting for a very very long time despite the fact that there's been recent social media coverage that won't mean that it's any close ending Mm-hmm. An interesting thing is um, with social media that you brought up, I noticed that a lot of these conflicts come as like a trend for people to yes. hop on, you know, yeah. like it's, and then after, after a week, it's gone and like no one ever hears about it yeah. again. It just um, like goes through one ear and like passes through the other. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's not even that significant. It's so common right now. Yeah, and you guys think this- activism. it's ridiculous. but also like activism isn't would you argue that any type of activism is good activism or is performative activism still like you know i feel like if there are good consequences for activism then it's a good thing but oftentimes the kind of activism that we're talking about here i feel like which is like people putting stuff on their instagram story and things like that it doesn't always create good consequences and can often just spark more in some ways meaningless debate instead of actual action that helps people who are suffering because of these yeah so like Mm -hmm. instead of like um encouraging meaningless debate around these types of topics like how can like we help as as like ordinary people in who are hearing about this conflict like how can we help well i think that by listening to just this podcast and actively engaging in learning this conflict, you're already helping by educating yourself. But there's other ways you can get involved. Um, you can donate, you can read books and articles, you can watch um, documentaries and, and videos, and you can help spread awareness by educating others. But make sure you fact check these um, information before you spread it. Uh, for donations, there are websites such as um, the Medical Aid for Palestinians, map.org.uk, and it works for the health and dignity of Palestinians living under occupation as refugees. They provide immediate medical aid to those in need. Um, but I understand that some people can't make donations, but that's okay. There's petitions for um, there's petitions for the US Secretary of State, uh, Tony Blinken, to demand Israel to stop all plans of illegal expulsion and forced displacement of Palestinians homes, of Palestinian homes and families in Jerusalem and the West Bank. Um, and yeah, just by educating yourself, by watching videos, by watching um, documentaries such as Born in Gaza, those are all on Netflix. The present, educate yourself on the topic, you know, and um, I think that's that's how we can help as youth. We'll definitely go check those out. And of course, if you see or meet any Palestinian people, you know, make sure to understand what they're going through in conversation. And they've probably there's probably been a lot of trauma there. So. Um, I know it's probably not great to to stereotype and and, um, stereotype and associate things with people, but by being educated, you can make so much more sympathetic and empathetic conversation with them. Yeah, definitely. But for starters, you can interact with us and our community on our Instagram at Voices of Amnesty and help spread awareness on this topic. Thank you for tuning in for our first episode and remember to look out for more episodes.
but for now, this was Voices of Amnesty. Mm-hmm.